0: All right, crank this one up. FTX, that was one big Ponzi scheme. People lost money. People lost a lot of money. Bernie made off story. I got a little cocky. People lost money. People lost a lot of money. Uh. I wasn't even trying. I should have been. We did a lot of things. People got hurt. That, that's on me. What happened happened. It didn't have a big vision open. What happened happened. The world will judge me as it will. FDX, that was one big Ponzi scheme. People lost money. People lost a lot of money. Bernie made off the story. I got a little talky. People lost money. People lost a lot of money. At the end of the day, I don't know what to say. That's who I am. You know, help our brand. If
1: you remind what happened,
2: you Those are the... uh Greatest hits remixed from George Stephanopoulos's interview with Sam Bakeman Freed, which uh, premiered this morning on Good Morning America, didn't generate a ton of headlines. It kind of the announcement came and then they had it, and not a whole lot new came out of it other than and Um, hey everyone, it's episode 69. Nice of SBF plus FTX equals New York negative times fun. Uh, I'm Stephen L. Miller, it's Versus Media Live. Um, I know a lot's gone on today, and (laughs) probably talking more crypto isn't really that interesting, but don't worry, I'll probably do this again tomorrow night. I just noticed, like, I I was just out doing stuff, and then I sit down and I see Antonio Brown has now housed himself inside of his house with a gun. And I took the Kanye thing pretty hard, too, but I don't think that this is any way to resolve it. So that's my only comment on that tonight. Um, SBF did show up to the New York Times Deal Book Summit, which he was invented He was invited for a few weeks ago, and then there was talk, is he even going to show up? Well, he didn't show up in person because I don't ever think he's coming back to this country. (laughs) So he showed up on live stream, and uh, in fairness to Andrew Sorkin, I thought did a fair to moderately well job of holding him accountable and putting him on the hot seat and making him awkward. But there was a few instances where – As I noted on the podcast, if you haven't got a chance to listen, it was approach kind of like Jay Leno approaching Hugh Grant all those years ago. What the hell are you thinking? And people laughing. And then at the end, people are applauding him or maybe applauding the questions. Um, And then they're laughing at him throughout. And my first thought was this is like, who are these people? Well, the New York Times deal book was something like $2,400 a ticket. So either companies paid for those or, you know, these are upper-class economic people in New York City, well-to-do. And some a lot of them probably didn't lose much. And a lot of them probably don't have a firm grasp, understanding of crypto. And as soon as that DealBook Summit was over with, GMA rolls out their pre-recorded interview, which means Stephanopoulos flew down there, talked to him, they edited it together, and then they sat on it, pretty much specifically to kind of keep him in the news. And it all looks very, very orchestrated. Um, He's basically conducting a uh, a media rehab tour. And yes, I'm aware of the Kim.com interview (laughs) that uh, he kind of got a little rowdy on. Uh, But I want to stick to kind of these mainstream outlets. But it certainly looks like a coordinated campaign to either rehab his image or put a dent in any prison time he can do by showing up and making well-to-do with a lot of his friends and media, which he has bought and paid for. And uh, I don't know how much money he's given to ABC News. Certainly, I don't think that that's the issue. But he's still hiding behind this thing of this con of effective altruism. And I said the reason why he picked George Stephanopoulos is Stephanopoulos is one of these guys who buys into that creepy, eyes-wide-shut con of a ideology as well as uh, George Stephanopoulos has given over $100,000 to a thing called the End Fund. (laughs) It's like something out of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And uh, their whole deal is to stop tropical viruses, which is one of the things SBF plainly stated was one of his goals. And so he's going around and he's kind of choosing his marks, and he's choosing interviews where he's going to get handled with kid gloves and he's going to look like a sheepish little puppy who just peed the rug. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, you can't punish because, gosh, he's just so sad. And so the next step in all of this is going to be interesting is to see, is Joe Biden's DOJ going to press charges on this guy? Is he going to face federal charges um, for any of this? Which would be interesting because of how much money he's given Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. And, of course, now he's tried to come out in a big point that uh, our media is trying to hammer is that, oh, he also gave to Republicans. And he kind of admits the reason he gave money to Democrats and and media outlets is so they would give him good coverage. And, you know, they're the people that kind of believe in this mythological do-goodism. But then he says that he also gave as much money to Republicans, but he only did it through dark money groups because he didn't want want to be outed as a Republican donor. Well, I'm going to need to see receipts before I jump all in on believing the sociopath. So show us some receipts. The one thing Andrew Sorkin did well... I thought, is he brought up the two tweets from November 7th when uh, Sam Bakeman fried said he answered a question he knew November 6th is basically when he was going to have to steal everyone's money and get the hell out of the country. And Angie Sorkin did bring up the fact that he tweeted twice on it November 7th that one was, this was a competitor trying to take him down and that all assets were safe. And then of course, three days later, they filed bankruptcy and $11 million disappeared through a hack, which he still claims to know nothing about, liar. So there's a lot going on with this, and um, again, you're seeing, I think, media act as a willing participant to put the kid gloves on because of this guy's good intentions, and I think you're starting to see this, but you know, at least buttering up any judge or any uh, prosecutor who this guy faces to say, hey, you know, his heart was in the right place. He's just a kid who got in over his head. Sorry. Um, So... Uh, I'm just curious if uh, those of you who watched the uh, the New York Times deal book or if you saw the GMA interview this morning, um, what your impressions are of this. Have they changed? Um, do you think he's going to get away with it? I think that that's probably the next big question in all of this is, uh, is he going to face 10 to 15 or is he going to walk scot-free because of all of his newfound friends in anthropology and uh, uh media and politics so that's all just a brief intro uh we'll go for just the usual a little bit over an hour uh hold tight back there joe and zach i'm gonna off like 75 times now uh but daniel go ahead uh any thoughts on this um and you know i guess i'll do general topic perfect hey steve can you hear me
0: yep you're good go ahead excellent hey uh sorry so this is actually a question um maybe two weeks late. I just, I, I have a hard time getting in with these things. We got a little baby and this is kind of around sure. the time we start putting her down, but I've got her, uh, I've got her transfixed on the princess and the frog right now all right. for at least another minute or two. So, so it's all good. Um, I'm curious, uh, if Trump's, um, let's say, uh, re- resurfacing if Trump's resurfacing actually matters, or if people collectively are kind of, um, even if they're not saying it out loud, they're ready to move on to someone like Desantis. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like you know a weather vane or anything, and I'm not as deep in uh, to, I guess, uh, the observations around the internet or conservative politosphere, anything like that. But I just, I'm kind of getting this vibe from a lot of people, especially. Even guys like Ruthless, who are generally more Trump-friendly, maybe maybe than you, repeatedly over the past few weeks, they keep on saying how, you know, man, you know, people are really buying the Republican agenda. They think the economy was their number one issue, and it's all these kind of talking points. But they just couldn't press the button for uh, Republican, um, cam uh, Republican candidates, you know, in their own races, especially in kind of these deeper purple areas and so they and it's it's, then they say and so we've got a brand problem you've got a brand problem and my interpretation of that that's like their way of it almost seems like they're trying to basically say you know it's a trump problem you know in the kindest possible way without saying it's a trump problem and so i'm wondering if you think that it doesn't really matter if trump kind of enters this race especially you know, in light of all the Nick Fuentes stuff and Kanye apparently just went on Alex Jones today and said how much he loves Hitler. And so amongst I'm wondering if people things, are just yes. kind of, yeah, amongst other things. And um, I'm wondering if people are just kind of, like you said, done, done with this. Uh, besides you, a person that I listen to a lot is Andrew Claven. and Andrew Clavin says that it's, it's time for, uh, it's time for new blood. He thinks that Trump kind of served his purpose and now we need someone who kind of maybe has, the same sort of tenacity, but who can kind of navigate uh, the political waters in a much um, in a much more, uh, let's say, a, uh, better way, in a much more smoother way, who can actually do politics, you know, play the game and who can but who can actually kind of beat up the press when they need to be beaten up, which it seems like DeSantis is very sophisticated with. And so I'm curious if uh, what what are your thoughts on that? If Do you think that people might in the end be generally ready to move on from Trump uh, despite his. Uh, his declaration of candidacy and despite all of the antics uh, so far and everything.
2: Uh, well, let me ask you if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, would you vote for him? Um,
0: I find myself I find myself kind of more and more I would say the I just I have a hard time I have a hard time believing that he doesn't know who Nick uh. Fuentes is. Like I just especially Especially since Nick Nick Fuentes has been kind of more in the public light the past few years. I just I don't blo- believe that he doesn't know who he is and that his people doesn't don't know who he is. And if he <laughs> wasn't aware and wasn't uh, wasn't aware of who he was and and all of that, then his people should be on that and they wouldn't have let him come within ten feet of Mar-a-Lago. And so that's that's yeah. honestly kind of like yeah. the line for me. And so I'd I'd be more along the lines of um more along the lines of doing something like you and writing someone in and being like, you know, this is, if this, this is kind of part of the shit sandwich that we're in, but I just kind of don't feel like being a part of it anymore. Now, um, now kind of a, to flip it around on your side, do you think that people, people would still be justified in some way, especially if things get worse economically or whatnot, would people still be justified in voting for Trump? Like, regardless of your personal opinions, do you think people would still be justified in voting for Trump in light of all of his stuff, let's say, or in light of other options?
2: Well, I don't I don't judge people's justification if you have a two-party system and it's a right. two-person race and one yeah. is Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg and the other is Donald Trump, he's going to oh, yeah. get 40, 40% of the vote or 30% at least of the vote and then yeah. Then it, be, then it becomes what do independents do and polling for independents is just cratered for him. And so, I look at, I honestly don't think he knew who Fuentes is. I think people around him do and they yeah. were probably like, oh shit, is that that fucking David Duke ventriloquist dummy on YouTube? like um, And by that time, it's too late. Um, yeah. But that I probably genuinely think he probably didn't know. Um, <laughs> I think the funnier issue is that he still invited Kanye over after Kanye had said all of that initial shit about the Jewish cabal. Like, I still find that endlessly funny. Everyone's focusing on Fuentes and, oh, you didn't know. He knew Kanye was and still was like, oh yeah, come to dinner. Sure. After Kanye had that first round of, you know, Jewry nutso. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it all depends on circumstances. If 10 people decide to get in the race and they can all split the vote and Trump can win, you know, a plurality with 30% of the vote again. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the dynamics are different this time around. Um, I liked what National Review wrote in the sense of, do, you know, people like Mike Pompeo or Mike Pence, who are hovering around 3% of the vote. Those guys need to seriously take a look at what's what's your issue here. Do you want do you want to jump in, even though your own polling says you don't have a chance? Or um, do you want to kind of back off to where it's only a two to three person race? Because one Trump has never really won head-to-head in a primary. He's always faced, you know, until he got down to Ted Cruz, and even then there was John Kasich splitting that vote. Yeah, So I think that that is something that is dependent. I want to read a stat that I read today from Charles Franklin. He's a uh, co-developer at Pollster.com, director of Marquette Law School poll, Professor Emmett R. S. U. Macedon, kind of a polling nerd, and he he did a sample, and this was pretty stunning to me, and Patrick Ruffini of uh, Echelon Insights, who I trust greatly when he talks about poll numbers. He also worked with Amy, uh, Amy Walter from Cook Report. and She's generally pretty good about this stuff. Uh, this is a fun stat, and I'll just kind of, uh, I'll see what you think or what anyone else thinks, that uh, Donald Trump among Republican college grads, 48 favorable, 50 unfavorable. Ron DeSantis among Republican college grads, 80 favorable, nine unfavorable. And so, if polling keeps like this keeps tilting that way and <clears throat> I don't really know what DeSantis is planning to do so this is why I'm trying to tell people to cool your jets and just let this all just play out for now. he does have a book coming out right on time as does Marco Rubio and Rubio's another one of these guys where I would just say look at your internal look at your own polling and then really think about this you could either you could either jump in a presidential race where you'll still come in fourth or fifth probably maybe lower than that. Or you can be the next secretary of state to the next GOP president. Those are your choices. And like it or like it or don't like it, Marco's window closed when Trump punched him in the mouth. That's just how I feel. He's still a young guy, but this is my point is, so there's certain things that you see happening. Like Tim Scott has a book coming out, Ron DeSantis has a book coming out, Marco Rubio has a book coming out. And this is generally the precursor to things that happen uh, this early, you know, a year and a half, two years before another election. And so I guess I'd look at it and, uh, maybe I'm just apathetic to it all, but, um, two years is a year from now is a long time. And as I've said about the Kanye stuff is you can have the circus or you can have the serious, there's two paths. And I was kind of foolish enough to think four years ago or, you know, 2016, Six years ago, whatever, that, uh, you know, based on where I was in media, that if I wrote enough times that the media is setting you up for Donald Trump and you're being conned, that people might actually listen. And what I've learned is they're not going to listen. And so I've kind of stepped back now and said, okay, well, you have two choices in front of you. And I'm taking a more observant role in this and say you you can go this way with Trump, which is all the baggage it's all the true social shit it's you know the kanye thing is just to me another instance of him just walking over his dick which is what he's prone to do and it's also part of he just doesn't kind of i don't i don't know why he's running again he's running because he wants to win i don't think he's running because he wants to make the country better a better place and the last time was just a fluke i think he's embarrassed that he lost or thinks that he won and i think the second campaign he could run on a C, I told you so platform with Joe Biden since, hey, look at what inflation is. We're going to be heading into a recession. He he could do that and say, hey, look at this. Putin just went back into Ukraine. You didn't do that when I was president. But Trump isn't disciplined enough, I think, to do that. Tr- Trump is going on revenge tour 2024. And I don't know. Certainly voters forget about Republicans or conservatives, even in media. Or around him or around whatever, like people like me, forget what I think. I don't think the country has another stomach for that. And especially when every single question the media will put to him will be, sir, tell us again why you think the the last election was stolen, because that's what they will do. And so... I see, what the, I see what the kind of the groundwork is being laid to push him out there. This is why you're getting weird Atlantic articles about DeSantis, who the worst thing they can say about him is he just likes to wear his earbuds. Like, okay, that makes him more relatable. I don't like people either. And so that's just kind of how I'm surveying it. Um, there's a lot of time for Trump to fuck up worse than he fucked up with, you know, Kanye and Nick Nick Fuentes between now and then. And that was always... The dangers of him announcing for president. Um, but that's what he's done. And so I guess we'll find out. I guess the bigger question becomes, there's still something like a, a 38% chance he could be the nominee, like even with all of this shit happening. And it's because if they elevate him again, if the press elevates him or if Biden targets him, that only hardens his support, um, which is why I don't I don't know if he's going to get indicted. Did all of that fucking Mar-a-Lago talk just went away post-election that's another one similar to the sbf collapse just after the election the rail the railroad deal uh which joe biden said he had and he gave a whole press conference and apparently that's been memory hold by our media that c- collapsed and now you know i guess they have a bill maybe um and so of course all of that mar-a-lago shit just went away which is weird to me it's just gone um but again there's a long there's a, there's a long time for donald trump to continue to fuck up like he did with kanye and nick fuentes and it can get worse and it probably will get worse but then the question becomes for people like you or people who are listening is you can shake your head and go oh i don't want him i'd fuck uh. Uh, you can vote for someone else in the primary, but if he ends up being the nominee, then that's the question you have to ask yourself: Is am I going to vote for this guy? Well, oh, he's better than Kamala, he's better than Pete Buttigieg, or whatever. And this to me is a different sentiment than you know the, the Atlantic never Trumpism, okay? The, because they're just never Republican, never conservative, never anything. Uh, which okay, good riddance. You took your act to the other team. You just wheeled on over there, and that's great. So that's the question. That's why I asked you: Is like if he's a nominee, would you vote for him? And you're like. Ugh. I would probably write someone in, well, that's the vote people have to think about. That's 20% of independence. And if his polling is cratering with independence, he's not going to win an election. That's the plain and simple. Independent voters are in places like Pennsylvania, some in Wisconsin, Michigan, all of those states that he won in 2016, um, those are where independent voters reside. West Virginia, um, all of these states that kind of go blue but purple, but then back to red. Um, and then you have to look at it and go, are those people going to go for this again? And I, I don't know. I don't personally think so, but I've been wrong on this a ton and I've been wrong on it before. Ah, that's popcorn. Joe, you're up. I wasn't expecting, uh, Daniel to drop off there, but I'm sure that was probably on purpose.
3: Hey Steven. Um so um I'll I'll just give a quick SBF take before I get into my um the main point that I wanted to bring up tonight. Um I think he is one hundred percent going to get away with it more than he isn't. Um and the reason I say that so I have never invested in, in any kind of crypto. It always seemed like it was the kind of thing that was built on quicksand to me. And I don't invest really in anything anyways, because I don't want to put my money at risk. So um, I it, it's, it's not really something I've been following at all. But the reason why um, I think he is not necessarily going to get off scot-free, but more so get away with it, I think was pretty emblematic by some of the interviews that he has been giving. And specifically what they have been in contrast to. Um, do you remember the... 2009, when um, John Stewart interviewed Jim Cramer on The Daily Show. Yeah. What, what was interesting about that
2: was there was this, like, this, this feud between Stewart and Cramer, like, on air, like, Cramer's, Stewart goes, runs down all the clips of Cramer saying, you know, buy Bear Stearns and buy the dip and all of this stuff. And, then, of course, the Craters, and then... Jim Cramer made this big to do performance where he's like, you know, screw you, John Stewart. You don't do what I do. You're not smart like this. So then John Stewart brings them on and he runs up and he shakes his hand and they laugh. And Kramer's like, Oh, we absolutely. And it turned into this buddy buddy thing. And I was just like, we're being fucking conned here. Like <laughs> it, it was one of those moments. I, I remember in media that stuck with me where it was like, you realize Jim Cramer's doing this shit as a performance which is good, I guess, if you're just a, a guy on TV, but this is a guy giving out actual financial advice. And so that was kind of the the, the point Stuart was making. But the big the, the biggest thing about that was the lead up to it, where Kramer was just being blustery and pissed at Stuart. And then he runs out there and he, he's like, oh, no, we totally got this wrong. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't, like whatever. And I clearly remember that. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead.
3: Oh no, no, not at all. That that that's exactly what was my point, which is that, you know, that that was that felt very much like a wrestling match, which is, you know, we're going to tease up we're going to hype up the heel and we're going to, you know, hype up the WrestleMania between the two of these. Um and also because Kramer is an easy villain. He is an absolute cartoon of a person where when you look at him and even where he's still on where it feels like he's just, you know, if you turn on CNBC, you're just getting screamed at, um, you know, by by this this ginger bald headed fuck, you know, going around with his bobbleheads, yelling about what to invest in and hitting a bell like he's, you know, also on a on a yeah with his, too, with his
2: with his sleeves rolled up and the whole act and the, you know the the multiple cameras. It's a show. It's an entertainment show. Exactly,
3: and you put that in contrast. I think with now with SBF, where you know, okay, the guy comes off like a dweeb. More than also anything. real, real and fast. What
2: it's worth? Jim Cramer called SBF the next J.P.
3: Morgan. Well, there you go. So they can, they can you know find the next Titanic and you know together and you know go on their merry way. Um, but but yeah, and and I think that's also just in the way that they are that they portray themselves and also in the way that the media kind of does come around them. SBF is the guy who, yeah, maybe he made some mistakes, but his heart was in the right place. Whereas Jim Cramer in contrast is just the, you know, bull in a China shop, just cartoon of a person where, you know, one is going to get, because the the thing is, is that following the Cramer Stewart, um, showdown there was just media everywhere was in complete adoration of Stewart and in complete condemnation of kramer too where um you know and i was just reading up on it just to refresh myself because that's what it reminded me of um you know all these letters that were sent to cnbc cnbc's viewership plummeted in um the following weeks after that interview so it definitely did some damage to them um and with with sbf um i i mean i don't know how much more damage that there is to be but it's definitely going to be much softer blows because at least what the media is going to say with sbf is that his heart is in the right place the outcomes may not have been ideal but his heart was in the right place and at the end of the day that's the most important thing
2: yeah i and again that's that comes down to who else who else buys into this effective altruism shit well it's all the people that should be holding him accountable it's you know, the, the, you know, media elites and Hollywood celebrities. And again, George Stephanopoulos donates to these fucking causes and Bill Gates. And it's, 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 when I say global elites, I know that sounds like, you know, some kind of Joseph Paul Watson Illuminati shit, but I don't know any other way to put it. People like Klaus Schwab or You know, all of these same fucking people who all have their, you know, their eyes wide shut parties with their masks, you know, and I look at this and these are the people that would be holding them accountable. And someone on the podcast today had a comment that said, if this had been Peter Thiel or Elon Musk, there would be indictments handed down already on them. And I think that there's a lot of legitimacy to that. And you you kind of look at the treatment Elon Musk is getting for using his money to buy Twitter as opposed to the treatment SBF is getting for losing billions of dollars of everyone else's money. There's a clear distinction here without, and there's a clear difference. There's a clear distinction and you're seeing it. And I do think that what you're saying about, yes, he, he had good intentions because that's generally what the political left believes in. It's if your intentions are good, uh, no matter how bad of a fuck up it is, um, then yes, we'll let you get away or we'll slap you on the wrist or we'll just kind of cast you out of polite society and then we'll bring you back in a few months or whatever. And so, I mean, it's with almost anything that this happens. And so, again, that comes back into he knew he knew the the right people to buy. He knew the right people to pay off. And he even said it. He, he basically said uh, when this whole thing broke and he was giving an interview and he said, you know, it sucks that, you know, guys like me are able to take advantage of just woke Westerners who we can say whatever we want and we know you guys are going to jump at it. No, isn't that great? And you have semaphore media jumping at it and several media outlets jumping at it. And I do think you're right in the sense of how you would think that they would be pissed that he's embarrassing them. But we saw the atmosphere at the New York Times deal book. And and again, I think Sorkin was for the most part fair and good. I I wish he would have just fucking... Just said to him, why don't you just put a gun in your mouth right now, Sam? (laughs) Save us the trouble. Um, But you saw the audience. Like, they were clapping for him. And they were laughing at the interactions. This hasn't been a good month for me. (laughs) And so you see the reaction out there. And you just kind of go, I go, one, I don't think these people really understand the gravity of the situation. Because I don't think that they're really smart as to what actually happened with crypto. And I also do think... There's a media attitude, a corporate media attitude. When I mean corporate, I mean like New York Times, corporate television, network analysts, things of that nature, who they have kind of a serves you right attitude to people who put money into crypto. And maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not. But they have this kind of attitude of the people who put money into this deserve to lose it. And therefore he's not really the biggest bad guy out there; he was actually trying to do something good with the money that you were dumb enough to give him and so I think the next step of this, like i said, and then i'll i 'll turn it back over to you is what does what do what do the federal authorities do on this? Do we just hold hearings and he shows up and he you know he gets his he gets his tongue lashings from Uh, Republican senators or Democratic senators for a day and then we don't ever hear from him again? Will there be federal charges coming his way? And how do those look considering how connected he is? Is there a pardon in two years from Joe Biden uh, over exactly the kind of thing you said in the sense of, hey, he was a young kid when he did this. He got in over his skis. Joe Biden's like, man, we all been there, man. I've been there and, and whatever. And so that to me is kind of the next part of this. And also, you have to realize, like the Elizabeth Holmes thing, that played out for what four, five, six years before she just was convicted earlier, what a month ago. So this is something that's it's going to take a while to unfold. But the bit, the most interesting things we're not going to learn. We're not going to learn how much money he gave to media outlets like Semaphore, Vox, The Intercept, and what was entail. You know, what did that entail? Were there narrative agreements? Were there financial ties that said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars"? But in exchange for that, I need to see like seven climate pieces a week from you, you know, and we don't know that because media is just locked down. And that's also kind of why I think they're treating him with some kid gloves is because he's stupid enough to go out and spill the beans. As we've seen, he's just he goes on TV and talks about anything. And we don't even know who his lawyers are. And so I also think that that's an aspect in all of this. And that's the problem when you're a journalistic outlet where you're not just committed to reporting news and telling the truth. Now you're entangled with this guy, and now you have to lock down your books because you, you made some shady.
3: Yep. Yep. No, agree, agreed on all those. Um, and my my final point tonight is um, I can't actually believe that I'm about to say this, um, but I agree with Allah Pundit. He recently wrote a piece for the Dispatch about how. Um, it's a pretty, it's pretty embarrassing nowadays. Yeah, to, I think the title of um, the label was
2: as, "Aren't you embarrassed?"
3: Yeah, and 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 look, I mean, full, full disclosure. I think I and I'm pretty sure, probably a good portion of your uh, your Patreon audience too. Um, let's just say, not the biggest fans of him, but I could not help myself but just agree with it. Um, agree with his overall thesis, and I did see that. Um, Michael Brennan Doherty at National Review had a bit of a rejoinder today, which um, to the piece, which had some pretty solid points where he was basically like, I mean, look, conservatism is never going to be, quote unquote, cool. There are going to be a lot of things that kind of come with the territory, which we which, you know, he himself has made peace with. But in the end, it's about policy victory. But, um, you know, you just kind of look at everything that's happened ever since the midterms. With the absolute circus surrounding Trump and today with, um, you know, with Kanye and the, you know, mental breakdown that we've all been privy to. And I mean, it, it just there. This is it feels like a low point. It, and, and look, I I remember and I lived through 2008 to 2009, which was, I would say, probably the previous low point. But. Just in within the culture right now, and also within just believers of power, it really does feel like a low point, and there isn't really anything to get excited about. And quite frankly, a lot of it is embarrassing. So I was just wondering what your take was on that, and then I'll uh, and then I'll let you go.
2: Um, I guess I look at it and say, what what, what am I supposed to be embarrassed over? So. I'm not a registered Republican. That doesn't mean I don't believe certain things on the political right or what have you. Um, and I guess I look at it and I say, well, no, I'm not really embarrassed of the things that I believe. Am I embarrassed over the state of the GOP? Yeah, but I've been embarrassed over the state of the GOP for 20 years of my life. So I kind of look at it and I go, people who's like, yeah, this is a low point. I'm kind of like, well, but look at a few things happening. Um, you have a somewhat independent thinker who has now taken over Twitter. And I didn't say a a conservative guy, just someone who doesn't seem like he's kind of, you know, beholden to, you know, woke corporatism, which which was literally suppressing accounts and speech on social media. Um, I was actually more heartened when, you know, Zuckerberg came out and uh, Spotify CEO came out. And now Netflix CEO came out and basically said, we're standing with the Twitter guy. Um, over these attacks. That's fascinating to me. So I think that there's a lot of interesting things happening that have nothing to do with, you know, who is the Speaker of the House. I really, there's nothing that I'm less interested in right now than Kevin McCarthy and the Speaker race. That's just, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of McCarthy. I don't think he'd be in that job for very long should he take it, but they also don't have a replacement. Um, Yeah, the midterms didn't go how you wanted, but there's lessons you should hopefully take out of that. Not that you should be embarrassed, but it's kind of like, uh, I mean, you did take the House. So, OK, you've just kind of put a stop to a lot of Joe Biden's presidency. Things like uh, his student loan order is now to SCOTUS. SCOTUS is going to review that. will most likely strike it down, which I think he's also counting on. So he can say, hey, conservative court. Um, and so I read it, too. And I kind of, I'm like, this is this is a guy who's been blogging in conservative media for years and years and years and years and years. So I would ask him, uh, are you part of this? Are you embarrassed? Because this is, you know, working for, I think, Hot Air or whatever, or Town Hall or whatever it was that he was one of those two. Um, I mean, this, this is a guy who's been blogging since like 2005. So I kind of look at it and go, I don't know. Are you embarrassed? Um, I, I don't feel secondhand embarrassment for Ala Pundit. Uh, I like Ala pandit I've talked to him. I had to unfollow him on Twitter over the fucking COVID hysteria. I couldn't take it anymore. That's the only reason I did it. Um, I don't care that he went to the dispatch or whatever. Um, but no, I guess I look at it and I'm just like, I don't have anything to be embarrassed about. I'm not I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Kanye West listener. Um, I don't watch Nick Fuentes. So there's a whole lot of that where I'm just kind of like, no, not really. I mean, Alapund has been doing that kind of Eeyore Act now for the last six years, and it's kind of like, are you part of the solution? Like, what are you doing? And that, to me, is what a lot of the dispatches turned into, which is just, oh, how much the political right is letting us down. Well, okay, but that corner of the internet's already kind of occupied, and it's occupied by Pierre Otemeyer's bulwark. But that's fine. I don't know people who are going to keep reading that. The same, as I said, the same Eeyore scribe, you know, over and over and over again. And so I guess I would say, what's his solution? Like, where, where, do you, where would you take the political ride? Are you going to take it to Larry Hogan? Because that's not going to happen. So I guess i look at it and say, I'm also a realist on things that I wish were better, but things I know aren't going to be. And this is how you should probably start navigating them. Um, so I guess i look at it and i say, if you're not going to be part of the solution, then why should I care? If you're sitting there, you know, lecturing me about, am I not embarrassed? No. Next question. And it's the same act that the Atlantic pulls. Um, It's just, you know, the the Tom Nichols, Afghanistan is your fault. And it's like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? It's so I guess that that's how I look at it. You can try to be part of the solution. or You can keep just lamenting that this isn't, you know, 2007 anymore because it's not. Parties change. Ideologies change and you don't have to follow them if you don't want to, or you can provide a different solution. And right now, in my, I don't know what the dispatch's solutions to any of this are, because mainly they just bitch and complain about conservatives now. That's all they do. So, I mean, you have David who just bitches about evangelical right, and you have, again, all upon it who just bitches about, you know, conservatism and conservatives will stop bitching about it and just renounce it if, it's, if you're really that embarrassed by it. Then just renounce it and say, hey, I'm voting for Kamala Harris next election. And okay, do that. Great. Have fun. Bye. And that's kind of how I look at it. So, I mean, I read it. There is a lot as far as culturally and stuff that, yeah, you just kind of shake your head out. The Trump shit, um, the Fuentes shit, like whatever. I said on Twitter, the Fuentes problem is something that generally takes care of itself. I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, David Duke's been around for 45 fucking years. Al Sharpton's been around for 45, 50 years. So um, to think that this is some unique moment, um, the Kanye thing is nobody, nobody of that stature has ever done what he's doing as far as going on Alex Jones. And He's a billionaire and he's a pretty influential voice. But as I said on the podcast today, the political right didn't create Kanye West. Media did. People who bought his albums did. Adidas gave him billions of dollars to design clothes and shoes. So again, similar to Donald Trump, Donald Trump was not created by the political right either. Donald Trump was created by fame and New York media and NBC and basically then wrestling. And then he went into politics where he became a Republican. And as I always said, if you go back and watch some of Trump's apprentice clips, they were fine with him being a racist. He was hosting Saturday Night Live and they were doing chicken dances and it was all fun and games. They were fine when he was a vulgar racist. They weren't fine with him suddenly when he became a Republican. And that's why I don't really listen to lectures from people like Ala pundit anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I, I pretty much second everything you said. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty <laughs> reassuring in its own way. Um, I guess what I'll just say is, um, I think that uh, at least culturally, and even to a certain extent with Elon Musk, I think that the one thing that has always been a ginormous gaping hole of an error on the right has just been the lack thereof, not even guardrails, but just like better judgment amongst, um, you know, a large portion of it when it comes to embracing certain people who might not otherwise be constituted as allies into thinking that they're allies, and then just ended up with an egg on your face. I mean, it's like you said on the podcast that, House Judiciary GOP tweet of Kanye, Elon, Trump is an all-timer.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it, like, it is. It's, a, it's, it's, an, it's an all-timer. Yeah, like, it's like, that account, it, that account should just
3: go... They should just delete the account. That's, because they, that's it. They absolutely should, but that is, that is what is... It's perfect in a way because it's also emblematic of what has existed and will continue to exist on the right because... It is a desert of trying to find cultural relevance or acceptance among celebrities. It's something that like it's all envy for them. So when they see an oasis in the form of a Kanye, or I mean, honestly, to a certain extent of an Elon, I'm still pretty skeptical of him and what his motivations are and, you know, what, what, what he's doing. Um, they just, they just immediately just, you know, view it as the fountain of youth. And as I said, more often than not, it's just, it's just egg on their face at the end of the day. And, hey, maybe this, this time will be different, but I'm not holding my breath. So I'll let you go, Stephen.
2: Yeah, I agree with all of that. There's there's a constant search for cultural relevancy because you're right. They don't, I mean, conservatives don't really have it. But I'm, I am guess one of these where I don't people that hate you or you claim to also hate so I agree that that's an issue. It's not one that's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, I think Obama's presidency put that into overdrive, and that's essentially what Trump was. He was the political right's own Obama, just on the opposite side. And so, I, I mean, that's something you're just never going to have an answer for. You, you, people will either learn or they won't. And so, but I absolutely reject the idea that somehow Kanye is a creation. Or a person on the political right because it wasn't conservatives who made this guy a billionaire and it's pretty much as simple as that so dan you saw the sbs stuff or uh gma interview or uh the the new york times deal but Okay, I don't know if... I just lost a ton of people, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the app is being glitchy, but if you fell off or if you deleted on accident, jump back into the queue, and I'll make sure you get up there. Jacqueline?
4: Hey, I'm doing good. Um, I just thought I had some extra time, because I thought Dan was coming on. So I just have to walk inside so I can get some quiet... Um, I was just going to talk about the Kanye thing real quick. I didn't watch the interview. I didn't watch the SBF interview, either one of them. And the Kanye one, obviously everyone saw the clips on Twitter. And it was just embarrassing. And I don't know why people are still promoting him and why they're still putting him in the spotlight when... You know he's going to say the crazy things. And obviously that's why they're doing it. Because they want him to say something crazy. But I'm just glad I never jumped on the Kanye train when he became a Republican. Because I knew it was all just a shtick. And I didn't know it was going to go this far. But I just knew it it wasn't real. And it was some sort of shtick for him to get like, clicks and likes, and so I wasn't too surprised when I saw the clips um, with the Alex Jones interview, but it was still surprising.
2: Uh, I said on the podcast, I couldn't name you three Kanye West songs. I can name you Flashing Lights, and that's because it was on the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack. Good song, but... um I haven't bought any of his albums. I haven't streamed any of his albums. I haven't listened to any of his albums. Um, One of the things I saw today is I think it was JTLOL who said, you know, I knew this guy was a piece of shit back in 2008 with Katrina. Like where was everyone else? But when Kanye was hitting Bush and doing that, he was, Oh, he's fucking great. He's a culture icon. And then he's storming up on stage with Taylor Swift. And that to me looked completely staged even with her. And, just down the line i saw another tweet where someone was like he's been like the third worst shittiest human for now 15 years like how did any of this catch any of you by surprise and so he's constantly kind of reinventing what he does and and what he's doing and i saw another tweet today where someone said he could sell he could still sell out an arena and i absolutely believe that like if he just dropped this act and if he just said i'm gonna throw a concert what what is what are we on thursday if he said saturday night I'm going to throw a concert at Madison square garden. It would sell out. And a lot of people would be journalists and people in media who would show up just to record it and see what he said. Um, and I kind of remember this when he started venturing into this territory, I think like two years ago, and he held that live stream stadium event where Kim Kardashian comes out in black and stuff. I had journalists that were like, oh, I can't fucking believe Kanye. I can't. And then they were tw- like live tweeting his live stream. and, that's kind of also what I mean about Trump and Trumpism. And that's this is kind of the next logical step for them is they're just they're going to tie him to the political right no matter what he says. And again, I will stand up full force and reject that and say, no, you're the motherfuckers that made this guy a billionaire. We did. We weren't the ones that did that. OK, he, he's not a guy who came out of the, you know, the gestation pod of Breitbart and National Review and Daily Wire and stuff, all of this stuff. And, of course, you had Candace Owens defending him and stuff. She's awkwardly silent tonight, I think, I noticed, unless she did say something. I don't follow her. Um, but I-, I look at this and I go, I kind of roll my eyes at it. And I know this is just his next shtick, and I guess we'll see where this goes. Maybe he's going to do, like, new Nazi-inspired clothing, and we'll see if that sells or something. Um, but he's always been kind of a shock guy who just you know he he tries to shock to get eyeballs on him and it fucking works every single time so of course he's going to go out and he's going to do this shit Uh, does that excuse it no absolutely not Um, when you're the guy who makes you know Alex Jones suddenly look like Mike Wallace you're probably way off the deep end but I also think that this is another media shit that he's doing. So does that mean he doesn't believe the black Israeli shit that he's pushing? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And more to the point, I don't fucking care. I can't even be bothered to listen to this dude's music. So that's kind of how I look at it. And that kind of ties in with Joe's point where you, you don't ever have to give it to them. So, again, the House Judiciary, GOP, like, oh, he's just he's out there just speaking truth and he's misunderstood. And it's like problem with that. And this kind of goes back into how conservatives don't really have a culture. They don't understand a lot of the cultural figures because they just drop out. So instead of paying attention to films in Hollywood or or bands and music or books that are out there or what people in media are saying, conservatives just kind of tune it all out. And then they get caught off guard with this kind of shit. And that's, to me, is why you have to remain engaged. You have to know that, you know, politics is downstream of what culture is. Andrew Breitbart, thank you. And if you don't, this is how you end up with a fucking Kanye West problem. And it's how Donald Trump ends up with a, with a Nick Fuente.
4: Yeah, com- completely agree. And um, the, the other thing I was going to talk about, like, because you mentioned that You weren't sure about Elon Musk. Like, I think Elon Musk, yeah, I don't think he's a Republican, but I think he's pretty libertarian, you know, and so he is out there doing what he's actually showing his work. So I believe him more than someone like Kanye, because Kanye is just out there being ridiculous every day. And Elon's actually doing what he said he was going to do. When he when he bought the platform, and um, so I think there's a difference between the two, like a very big difference between the two. So I wouldn't put them in the same boat. But
2: I think I think Elon uh, needs to show more. He, you know, people liked it when I basically called him a billionaire Loki. Um, he likes to cause mischief. He likes to muck things up. He likes to get people's gears going. Um, he needs to show more work about what's happening with the transparency at Twitter um, <clears throat> he needs to show more work about exactly you know he as I said on the podcast he he did a photo supposedly at Apple's headquarters yesterday and everyone jumped on and I'm just like I don't, as far as I know he drove to Apple's fucking headquarters and just stood there and did that to just troll people and again this is this Elon Musk to me it falls right into the Kanye West thing like you don't have to be his reply guy okay you don't have to um, hang on every word and hope he replies and and do this stuff. Just sit back, watch what he's doing with the platform. I, I think that tech wise he can probably handle it, and I do think he's he's severely underestimated on the on the death of what Twitter is. it's It's the death of what it was. It's certainly not going to be what it was. Um, but to suggest that he doesn't know what he's doing with it, I think is misreading the situation. But again, it's kind of the other stuff that he does, where he's he's filled that main character on Twitter that has been gone ever since Trump was banned, and now Trump is back. But Trump's not going to tweet. I do I do think Trump will start tweeting when he starts looking at polls. Um, but I, I guess I look at this and I say I don't I don't I don't trust him at all. Like um, I I need him if he says he's going to be transparent, then he needs to show work. If he says he wants to publish. Findings about speech suppression on Twitter, then he needs to do that. That doesn't mean he won't, but stop talking about this stuff and then just do it. Um, so d- do I think Twitter's probably in a better place managerial wise than what it was? Absolutely. But I'm also one of the people who was on the wrong ideological end of the spectrum of Twitter's former leadership. So Jack. And- All
4: right. But with the uh, thinking of Elon Musk, have you seen the stuff about the Neuralink and how it can?
2: Yep, I'm off.
4: In your yep. brain, and you that won't be happening. Cure paralysed people. Yeah, I mean, he's saying. People.
2: Yeah, he's saying the first thing that they want to do is use it to cure, you know, to fix blindness because the, the visual cortex is always still present. Possibly. In which case, I'm like, okay, that sounds exciting. There is no fucking way in hell I'm injecting that into my body. Thank you, Elon. I'm off the train. Sort of like with Meta, with Facebook and Zuckerberg. I'm like, nope, I'm done. Uh, Just just put me in the ground. I will... I I, I have... a PlayStation for VR headset that I haven't used in years, but I do have it. I'm like, that's as much as I'm going to do with this. Um, you won't be, you will not be plugging me into the metaverse. So I, I won't even go kicking and screaming. I will swallow a cyanide pill before that happens. So that's just, it's, it's interesting stuff, and it's, it's stuff to hear when he talks about. It, it's exciting, and it is pushing boundaries in a way like Steve Jobs pushed boundaries, which is what I think Elon Musk also filled. I think he's filled that kind of Howard Hughes style, Steve Jobs, eccentric, you know, genius, billionaire guy, whatever, who's pushing some interesting concepts. But to me, it's like we have to see if it works. And I know he made he made rockets that can land on their own. That to me is he's going to need to top that. But nope, I'm I'm off the Neuralink train.
4: Okay, yeah, I was just wondering your thoughts about that, because to me, that seems very interesting if it could actually work. But, like you said, there's no proof that there's any results of someone starting to be able to walk that was a quadriplegic or being able to see that was blind. So, uh, we'll wait and see. We'll see.
2: He has done uh, before. So, thanks, Jacqueline. Have a good night. All right a little red we'll get these uh samuel fay a little red right back there but zach go ahead
5: um i was gonna speak on you know the whole ftx thing and i mean everybody's seen uh, esg going around where states are starting to look at um, removing uh, public employee retirements out of out of like the esg models and just so you know how big of a sham it is, FTX had a higher ESG score on management than ExxonMobil. Oh, did. good. Yeah. So um, in addition to the media and, you know, obviously the politicians he was paying for that were carrying water and for there's him. Al- there's
2: also even- two other crypto companies that have gone under just in the last few days or one, one looks like it might, and one definitely did. And they weren't large ones, but it's kind of like, this feels like a house of cards right now, where you can wake up tomorrow and every crypto company is just gone. Just, I mean, similar to the 2008 crash, it'd be a digital. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, You know,
5: I, I've never really understood crypto. Like, I, I don't, I've never really understood how it has value. And I mean, hey, if people want to pay for it, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But um, I just, I look at it and the whole thing, it, it's it seems like the whole NFT thing. It's like... So if I take a picture of my dog and then I uh, uh, tag it, it's supposed to be worth money. I, I don't get it.
2: Well, it's it's technically like a digital illustration. So you're I, I laughed at all of that. Um, I mean, I do I do have money in Bitcoin. I mean, you do see places to take Bitcoin as a transaction. So, you know, you can pay for certain things now with Bitcoin. And I think that that's interesting. But the NFT thing is, is where I get off on that as well. I'm just like... Uh, you just like Justin Bieber is under now scrutiny over his involvement with the NFT thing. Like his the people who like invested into his thing have lost like ninety seven percent of their wealth that they invested, and so now Bieber's on the hot seat over his digital monkeys and stuff like that. And it's like worth half of what it, that he paid for it. And it's like yeah, I mean it's a digital this idea that it's a non fungible token. It's a unique image. It has its own built in data into it. And so then you can own it on the World Wide web. And it's kind of like, I just took a screenshot. There you go. Um, But I mean, people do it. I mean, Tom Brady did it. I mean, people with a lot of money with, you would think a lot of smart financial people around them uh, all fell for it. And so, yeah, that the NFT shit, uh, that's where I drop out uh, again, while we're talking about like tech, where you just drop out of Bitcoin, I'm kind of still fine with, I haven't like pulled all of my Bitcoin out again or anything like that. I also don't have a high balance in Bitcoin. I have a comfortable balance where if Coinbase folded tomorrow, I'd be like, huh, ah, okay, that, that's, you know, that's like a vet bill, um, or whatever, but, um. Bitcoin is interesting because you're starting to see real world tr- p- transactions take it. So you can just uh, put in the Bitcoin number and you can pay for stuff. And so that to me is interesting in the sense of also it's not, you know, a centralized bank or anything. But that's also the problem is it's not FTC con- or uh, uh, FCT whatever, uh, certified. And so that's the problem with FTX is it wasn't certified bank. And now that money's just gone. It's like pff, you're not going to get that shit back. It's not insured. Goodbye. And so, yeah, the NFT thing is where even I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't need a, I don't need a digital.
5: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I never understood it. Um, I mean, even as an accountant, we have a couple of like crypto bros, I guess you'd call them that come in and it's like, OK, you brought me 40 something pages for me to add up and show that you lost. Two dollars for the year. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Um, but yeah, I just when I saw the the ESG scores for FTX, and I I just had to laugh because I mean at that point it's pretty obvious that you know that's another scam that you're that you're seeing about. Only it's one that has it has more pull because if companies don't go along with it. You know, then all of a sudden, banks might stop lending and they might not be able to generate capital. So, you know, they have to play along. But at the same time, it's it's so subjective that it, I mean, it's basically the opinion of these people. It's not based in anything that you could actually measure. So... I saw that one and that's I noticed you hadn't mentioned that much but I thought that was pretty interesting of an angle to to look at it it seems like everybody was was you know hand-jobbing this this guy over what he was doing and now they're they're even you know they're still doing it they're they're not actually you know criticizing him for running a ponzi scheme that would make bernie madoff jealous say you know oh he tried but but he failed that's what you say to an 11 year old who strikes out in baseball that's not what you say to somebody who stole billions of dollars from people
2: uh yeah but but, i mean you, you you could also see them making an argument that, hey, you know, none of the none of the financial people went to jail in two thousand and eight anyway either, so why should he? I guarantee that that's an that's that's something you're going to see pop up, and maybe not in a piece like the New York Times, but you're going to you're going to see journals go, hey, you know, the, none of those guys that you know Bear Stearns or whatever uh, went to jail for their mismanagement of losing billions of dollars. So what it, what is so wrong with what he did? you might see that argument. You might also see it coming from democratic politicians and they'll say, and they were grown men and this is just a 29 year old child. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to get interesting here coming out. And then it's also gonna be interesting to see what other kind of cryptocurrency, you know, platforms fold over all of this stuff. And I mean, like I said, it's already been called like a digital recession where, um, People, because of what happened at FTX, just start pulling their money out of every single platform, and then it's like, oh, shit, okay, well, how are we going to pay the bills now? And so, yeah, it's it's something that's interesting. It's something that could only be happening today with just uh, mobile apps and technology and... Um, You know, I think another place to look at where this could all possibly go is online gambling. And because there's 50,000 of these websites that are all endorsed by everyone from Peyton Manning to Wayne Gretzky to Drew Brees. And, you know, what happens if, say, someone who runs an online gambling sports site does this? And so that's another aspect of this I don't even think is, is even remotely discussed enough. So, Zach, I'll give you the last word. Go ahead.
5: Um. Yeah, I, I didn't have a whole lot other than um, last time I told you they had recalled part of my hip. Turns out um, it still looks good, so there's no reason to do another surgery right now. That's on good. On it. So, so uh, I'll take that as a win. So
2: they they at, didn't have to recall the, the hip out of your body, so that's good news.
5: Correct, correct. But now um, they're... I'm on a monitoring schedule where I have to go in every right now it's every year. Once a year, I have to go in and have it x-rayed to see if it, if they need to take it out of my body and send it back to the manufacturer. So right now, but that's no, not but until same next same year, year. Right?
2: right? Okay. So you have a year. I've
5: got a year. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, as for Nick, Fuentes, the last time I saw anything to do with him is he was having a debate on his website with a guy named Mr. Medicare, who's been on the internet, you know, since it started. And it was literally just Medicare verbally teabagging him for three hours. And so if you're bored, You should look that up and um, turn it on in the background because you'll end up laughing hysterically at how just absolutely fucking stupid he is.
2: And he's, what, 22 or 23 years old? And it's just, um, yeah, I mean, the last time that that this guy popped up, he was getting escorted out of uh, CPAC. With like three dudes alongside of him, and I was clearly just like, "Really, this is this is the movement we're worried about now?" Okay, great. Um, you know, f- f- this. You know, like I said, this five foot three David Duke Ventriloquist dummy and his henchmen, who are just like four Pepe kids online on 4chan. Like, what are we doing here? And uh, somehow, some way, he's now tailing off of uh, the black mask of one of the richest guys in the world. Uh, so it's, it's a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. But as I've always said, it, it's, generally, it's generally a problem that solves itself. And so that's how I look at it. So, Zach, thank you. Take care. We'll go Samuel Faye and wrap up with Little Red. Uh,
1: my only real comment on the uh, SBF thing is he's supposed to be the villain in this story. But the media is making it really hard to not like be more upset at them for their kids glove treatment of him than him actually you know stealing and losing billions of dollars that weren't his yeah we're getting like we're getting like in-depth profiles about what he was thinking and
2: all of this stuff. And it's like, no, I I don't need this anymore. Put this guy behind fucking bars. It's that simple. I don't need to. I don't need to go into uh, his house or his poly cult that he had with the fucking Harry Potter girl. I don't need I don't need any of this shit. Just charge this guy and put him behind bars and be done with it.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, can you just like not treat this guy with kid gloves? Can you just like for one fucking time, do your job? No, they can't.
2: One, because they all took his money, which isn't his money. And that was my problem with Ben Smith. When Semaphore secured all of their funding when this all happened, remember ProPublica had to put their projects on hold and so did Vox because they don't have funding and ProPublica was supposed to get a single payment every every year on April 1st. That's a good one, by the way. (laughs) And that was something like $400,000. do research into climate and all of this other stuff and vox had to pause their whole section they did they created a whole section on Vox's website around effective altruism and then semaphore media their spokesperson came out and said um yeah we secured all of our funding we we just had one grant and so don't worry about us and i was kind of like nobody's fucking worried about you like give the money back and if it tanks your brand new shiny ben smith Uh, outlet, so be it. And they won't. They're just going to sit on it. Like Beto O'Rourke returned a million dollar check from this guy because it was too much and they were skeptical of it. When Beto O'Rourke has more sense than five fucking media outlets, you're probably the bad guys in this situation. Okay. And yeah, I mean, the idea that it's their money, that's one thing that you're not hearing through the media, that it isn't his money to give. Like George Stepanopoulos is, oh, God, I can't imagine what it's like to lose twenty-eight billion and now you only have a hundred grand. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, that was that was bad and embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's like, dude, he didn't lose twenty-eight billion of his money. He lost twenty-eight billion of other people's money. That's the point. And he might have hacked his own system to steal eleven mil that he's just sitting in a fucking account in the Bahamas right now. And so that's what I said. He's never, he's not going to step foot in the United States unless he's, you know, extradited or he makes uh, his legal team cuts a deal that when he lands in wherever this would be, I don't know, California, New York, wherever he gets charged, um, where he makes a deal with, he'll surrender with his legal team, provided all of this shit happens. And that's why I said, you need to go fucking zero dark 30, that guy, <laughs> land a fucking black top secret black hawk in the middle of the night, rope down and go get him. That's simple. Like or I mean, I don't understand, again, why this is difficult. But again, you're talking about a guy who gave, you know, Joe Biden twenty two million dollars. So get ready. And that's I'm I'm still 60, 40. He probably gets charged. But the longer it drags out, it's you're going to see more of this profiles of him. And he's going to sit down with friendly media outlets and they will grant him interviews because he doesn't shut up. He is a perfect media subject where people on Twitter are like, why the fuck does this guy not have an attorney? Like what's going on? And journalists are just sitting there recording all of it and loving all of it. And because I don't know, like I said, the best tweet I saw about him uh, when he's out here blabbing away is somebody said he's either incredibly stupid legally or he's incredibly protected. It's one of those two. And I, and I,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious if, if we did went, you know, go zero dark 30, um, if it would take, I don't know, 10 years to find him in, the, in, in his compound down in the Bahamas or if they could do uh, a little bit quicker than that this next time. Um, but the, the main point I just wanted to kind of bring up and it's kind of a just a click like topic, but it's something I just kind of noticed is, you know, after 2020, everybody was talking about election fraud, voter fraud. You know, even people who didn't buy it, you know, were at least like discussing it and like, you know, either trying to put down conspiracy theories or talk about how, you know, the election was, quote unquote, rigged by other means. And like, I try to follow, you know, a wide range of people on the political right, even people that really piss me off sometimes, just, you know, try to gauge what people are talking about. Almost nobody is talking about this Kerry Lake, you know, the election was stolen, voting machines. Like, I'm not saying that the GOP is mo- ready to move on from Trump. I fucking hope so, but I won't be convinced of that until he actually goes down in a primary. But I do think it's interesting that literally nobody gives a shit about Kerry Lake's election fraud claims. Nobody cares. Nobody's talking about yeah. it. It, it, I just, it's one of those things I'm just hopeful. The GOP GOP
2: might lose a house seat over that too. Like, I don't know if you don't
1: really understand what's going on there. I was pretty confused by what I was seeing on. Yeah.
2: It's because they're refusing to certify in one of the districts in the court. And basically the state is saying, you're going to certify this or we're going to penalize you. And it's, it's, there's more to it than that, but it could, it could end up serious. It could end up costing the GOP uh, a house seat if she keeps, if they, if they keep refusing to certify What's interesting is you do you have this one county in uh, Arizona that's going through with what Trump wanted originally, which is don't certify the election. We're just going to pro- We're going to sit here and say, nope, we're not doing it. And they're getting now court ordered to do this. And this is why I was always kind of like. January 6th was a bad day, like people forget, you know, you had you had U.S. Capitol Police and Secret Service with pistols drawn on the fucking Senate floor. OK, that was not a good day. But to say that this was like the brink of the end of democracy, I mean, the fact that people were cleared out and five hours later they certified the election is not the end of, you know, the brink of democracy, which you're seeing like in the Philippines is bad shit, okay, and in some of these other countries. But um, what's happening in this Arizona county is effectively what Trump basically wanted, which was you don't certify the election, you send it back. Well, there's no mechanism to send it back. And so now you have a judge, uh, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a federal or if it's a circuit judge down there He's basically just saying, you're going to do this or there's going to be legal consequences. And if that means maybe contempt or jail time, then that's what we'll do. And so, I mean, the system is back up to work, is it? And so I, I you're right that nobody's even just talking about Carrie Lake anymore. They will be when Trump makes her his running mate, Ugh. which God. I think is
1: probably... 99%. I think it's,
2: I think it's, I think it's 70, I guess say 75% probably most likely that's what he would do. And he might do it before other candidates announce. He might pull the Ted Cruz, Carly Fiorina, and say, Hey, this is our ticket, whatever. Um, the one thing that makes me, he might not do that is because Trump does not like to be outshined and outshadowed. And uh, I get that voters didn't go for this act for her, but the media would obviously be drawn to her and people would still like that aspect of her. Um, When I wrote about her uh, at The Spectator and this whole, you know, she's actually kind of the uh, heir apparent to all of this. And I think it was J.V. Lass at the Bulwark who, you know, said that first and I credit him. My profile on her had nothing to do with her winning the race or not. It's, you know, if she wins, it's because Democrats interfered and and gave her the nomination. Um, And they might just be stupid enough to do it again uh, and, you know, elevate her to the point to where Trump is like, yep, this is the ticket. You don't even have to jump in, Governor. You don't have to jump in, Larry Huggie. This is it. This is the ticket right here. Thank you. And I don't know. I don't know who else he would pick who who looks like they naturally fit that role as well
1: as she does. Yeah, his his options are are I think are dwindling just in terms of people not wanting. Like, I again, I I'm giving up on Trump trying to like tactically do things correct. Right, but like, what what does Carrie Lake give you? Nothing. There, they're Again, I get that the V. It's not like it's not you know the '60s. She looks. Canada. She looks
2: good on TV. That's his. That's Trump's like baseline well, yeah. for
1: everything. He's admitted that, that that's kind of like
2: one of the. So when he was going over SCOTUS justices uh, to fill the empty seat, he was looking at like headshots. Uh, This was like a famous thing, like when Heritage and these groups are sending over uh, the resumes of these judges and whatever. And so he's looking at Gorsuch and he's looking at headshots and he's like, that's a guy who's he just fits (laughs) the role. And it's like, that's all he gives a shit about. So if she looks good on camera, she looks good on television and she does those filters and those videos of her, where she, again, she's an anchor. She knows how to talk to a camera. Then that's to me, all that matters. Like, again, I'm not J.B. Last's biggest fan, of course, but I think he's right about that. I don't think that Trump's heir apparent is uh, the Florida governor. I think it's probably her. And again, I don't know who else is out there that so naturally again, fits that role, but, uh, Trump doesn't also like to be outshined, and you could see some of that as well. But uh, I don't, I don't know if he keeps doing the self-implosion thing. He's he's going to need something that you know is is a cattle prod to his base and to the political right. And so, I, and you're right that his choices are dwindling. Like I don't know who right now in conservative or GOP politics would would take that slot. So it's it's probably either Carrie Lake or Mike Liddell.
1: Jesus Christ. Well, Liddell wants to be chair of the RNC, so I don't know if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> uh, my, my comment on that was... I haven't heard I that one. That
3: doesn't surprise me. Oh,
1: he he's, he's straight up running for it. He announced it on, like, Newsmax or some bullshit <laughs> good, like that. Good luck. Or it's like, Real America's Voice, something awful. Yeah, um, good luck. But, like, my comment on that was look, I obviously do not support Mike Lindell for chair of the RNC, but could he really be that much worse than Ronna McDaniel? Yes. Like worse in terms of like optics? Yeah. Like Performance-based?
2: Yeah, I don't know. He yeah, he could. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm,
2: not, I'm not going down that road. I, I think she needs to be out of that job. Oh, absolutely. Um, just strictly based on her records. If You're the coach of the team, and uh, you don't have a very good record right now. So I do think she needs to be out of that job. I think Lee Zeldin is an interesting choice, but again, that's all dependent on stuff. But I I don't think she's leaving the job. I think she got like a majority vote for it or she has majority endorsement for it. So um, I, I don't know. I think Rona McDaniel, I think Republicans like her because she straddles that line. One, she's a Romney. Two, she str- She walks that line of trying to appease Trump while also trying to keep control. Except that doesn't fucking work. That's what we've learned. And it didn't work this last election. It didn't work in 2020. And it didn't work in 2018. So you're someone that has, uh, again, a losing streak going on. And just, just via the autopsy, you should probably just step aside and go, someone else needs to take this job.
1: I mean, she's blown three elections in a row. 2018 wasn't really her fault um you know that's how it almost always go goes as we just learned um in terms of the always but um she didn't have a good performance in 2018 2020 they they, you know they actually did good in the house and um for the most part did well in the senate until again trump went down to georgia the devil went down to georgia um but like she blew that in 2020 and she just blew this election here so like it, it, it would be pretty disgusting if she, you know, got to remain head of the RNC. But again, I'm not putting anything above uh, Republicans within the RNC because they're a bunch of fucking idiots and it wouldn't surprise me to keep her there. But it does look like Zeldin is uh, I just saw like a New York Post story about him, like actually like, you know, hiring advisors and stuff and like he's actually going to go for it. And I really hope so, um, because I. He can't Again, I don't think he can be worse than McDaniel in terms of like actual like doing the job, but he also just strikes me as a much more serious person and someone who's not going to bend over uh, for Trump, which is something McDaniel. If Trump asked McDaniel to do something uh, within the 2024 primary, she's probably going to listen to him. What incentive, when, What incentive is there for her to not to listen to him? Because then he'll just endorse her just like he did with McCarthy. Nobody likes McCarthy. Nobody. Trump people don't like McCarthy, nor me Republican. McCarthy is like so slimy. Nobody likes him. But because he said nice words to Donald Trump, Trump re him to be Speaker. So he will do the same thing for McDaniel if she makes him you know, back, you know, know, back, backroom promises. And I don't know if Zeldin would do that same thing, but he certainly can't be worse, I don't think so
2: yeah no it's i mean it's interesting and i don't know if you saw that they're they're basically hiring an autopsy team jesus christ did you see who like is
1: gonna run point on that fucking blake masters the dude who blew the arizona senate race (laughs) i hope hope he goes to meetings in a hot dog costume christ alive man that's what
2: that's that would that's exactly what that would be like so hey Samuel, I'm going to jump over to Faye and Little Red
1: here. So sorry to hear. Sorry to hear about your student loans going to Scotus. Hey, it's good news for the country, so I'll take it.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, Samuel.
6: Good evening, Stephen. Um, finding myself a little dispirited by the news cycle lately. In terms yeah, of this, a lot of
2: Nazi talk. <laughs>
6: <laughs> in terms of SBF, like i just want him to go away my god it's pretty obvious that he's never going to have to pay i mean i guess never say never but it looks let me put it this way highly unlikely that he's going to have to pay for what i'm convinced is at minimum you know stealing hundreds of millions of dollars oh i'm sorry there was a hack that mysteriously disappeared and i wasn't going to afflict myself by watching the uh good morning america interview but i saw the promo they were running and I, you know, I just wanted to smack him like if i had to sit there and watch him blink under these eyes like some big obese male bambi for a minute longer yeah i don't know how he, he <laughs> knows <laughs>
2: he knows exactly how to turn that on to the right people he did it to chuck todd you know chuck todd's like why are you so great and then he he comes and does it to george stephanopoulos and that's it i'm i'm wondering if he's working with like a com shop because they they always go to like one or two people when shit like this happens. Like George Stephanopoulos is like one of the top go to first interviewers, and so I don't know if someone's advising him. I don't know if it's SKD Knickerbocker under the table or what's going on, but the accepted. fact that he's selecting some of these interviews this way, there's clearly. There's a strategy here coming from someone. It could be his parents. It could be his attorney about, you know, to go into these friendly kind of media environments and uh, just get this all out there. I won't be shocked if he fucking pops up on Joe Rogan just, just for the hell of it, you know, at this point. But that's, I mean, for him to just, it was so orchestrated. Like as soon as that deal book summit was over, GMA rolled their tweet out and it's just, it's all fucking slimy, like off so top the head. It's grotesque,
6: and, it's like, grotesque and it's just
2: the, it's the worst of our media. It's kind of the point that natural born killers tried to prove. You know, it's like <laughs> the worse monster you are, the more they will.
6: I don't know who I wanted to smack more—him or off the list—but just the. I feel like saying, "Dude, this works a lot better if you're a hot chick." I'm just saying the demure, downcast glances, the blinking under the eyelashes—like, does this work on anyone?
2: When you look like him, I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I'm just
6: saying from, from a perspective no, it's, of PR. It's, the
2: act, it's still the act that he's putting on. It's that hum- if I just act, hum- if I act humble and dumb and autistic enough, they'll probably not send me to federal prison. That's what I think is going on.
6: Well, I think they won't send him to prison because as you,
2: that tweet you quoted, which I've
6: had you know, similar thoughts either he's just incredibly dumb or incredibly well-protected. And I think the latter is certainly an element. There's, I mean, he, he said the quiet part out loud, literally in those DMs that we saw, was it last yeah. week, two weeks ago, about you can, you can do whatever you want as long as you sort of recite the uh, appropriate incantations. He told us flat out what was going on and everyone's just pretending that we didn't see those DMs.
2: And, and, and his whole thing about, I donated to Democrats publicly so I could get good press. And I donate to Republicans secretly because they like dark money. And I'm just yeah. like, Bro, Show the receipts, buddy. Show receipts or shut the fuck up. And it was so funny to watch people who I generally regard as smarter on the left, like Matt Stoller or even Bremer or some of these people. And they're like, oh, see, see. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the serial lying sociopath hiding out in the Bahamas is saying things. And he's, again, doing that do-goodism bet. all he has to do is say something that they all agree with. And they all jump to his corner and go, oh, see, he was donating to Republicans. He's donating to Republicans. Like, what proof do you have? He's just saying this. That doesn't mean he didn't. I know that there's paperwork that he, filed. he donated to McConnell Super PAC, but he's saying he donated as much, which uh, yeah, is I don't, equally, I don't buy it. you're up there equaling $50 million to Republicans. And it's kind of like the fact that he just says it and everyone just jumps out and goes, ah, oh, see, he said it, he said it. And it's like, he's doing the thing on you and you're falling for it again. Like you're 100%. He just stabbed you, and he just went, "I didn't do that." You know, no, it's okay. And then he stabbed you again. And how many times are they going to fall for it? Well, they're going to fall for it for as many times as it takes. Because if he's saying bad shit about conservatives or Republicans or into crypto and all this stuff too, oh boy, that's like chumming the waters to you know our favorite group of former cool kid Breakfast Club tech.
6: Well, and it wasn't just the money, which I, I don't believe for a second that he donated equal amounts, but it was the access. It was the regulatory stuff that he was putting. Yeah, it was it, all with That, was, that and, was Maxine
2: you know, Waters he was doing selfies with and who blew him a kiss when he left one ugh. of these tests. Like, she literally blew him a kiss. Maybe that's something <laughs> she just does, you know, but maybe she also totally normal really high fucking.
6: Well, part of my job is to prep our executives for congressional and Senate hearings. and I have to tell you, nobody ever blew us a kiss before, during, or after. (laughs) But, you know, maybe things are different on that side.
2: That's Um, how they do it in their family.
6: All I'll say in closing about SPF is that, uh, if nothing else, he's an excellent example of a generational thing that they've been taught. They can do whatever they want. You can do what you want. You can be who you want. And then when you... Screw up, or or actively do something horrible that has terrible effects. Well, gosh, you know, I'm not responsible for that. In fact, I, I really feel almost like GMA was trying to give us vibes of he's the victim here. No, with
2: they're not quite into that territory, but they're
3: they
6: were they're kind dipping, of alluding
2: to it. They're co in that territory, and also part of it is is his parents are very well to do, Stanford professors. Also, I think his mom was a bundler for Hillary Clinton. So this is a guy who comes from a family again that is probably protected, and she—I guess she wrote some thesis paper at Stanford saying, like, it's personal respons- responsibility. Personal yeah. responsibility is is a—it's a flawed ideology or something. Well, but you're right; it's—it is this kind of thing where we are. with, You know, he's 29 years old. He's right in that whole the, the woke corporatism nonsense, where he just wanted—he just went and did what he thought was best, and he, he went and did what he it. thought it was best for the planet. And, you know, he screwed up. Let's not, you know, let's not bring the whole house down on him. It's not like he's, you know, Bernie Madoff here or it's not like he's, you know, he wrecked Wall Street and everyone lost their 401k. And that's where it's going to go. And so there there is this underlying layer of he's actually a victim here. And you're not seeing it quite yet to where covering this guy and saying to put him in prison is bullying him. But you're going to start to see some corners of the Internet, some corners of media start to float that and just say, look, he's not O.J. Simpson here. OK, let's just relax. I feel and like they're
6: laying the groundwork for it with these. Yeah, of they're they're, they're tiptoeing towards it. I mean,
2: the sentiment is there. I, they're not quite there yet. But again, they also love this guy because he's a quote machine like he won't shut up. And so reporters love that, Um, you know, versus media rule number one, don't talk to journalists. And he he apparently will sit down with anyone or DM with anyone uh, if he thinks that they're a friend. And like we saw with the Vox journalist, uh, he was like, oh, I thought she was my friend. And it's like, you're a moron. You're just a fucking moron. And he's a sociopath. And yeah, I mean, again, if he's paid up with all the right people and if his family can pull some strings and, you know, get Joe Biden on the horn and go, look, don't don't sentence this guy to 50 years you know then yeah you're probably going to see you know even if it gets charged you'll probably be three to five or a plea deal or something and that's it and no one else i mean they're the money's gone no one's getting their money back out of this because it's not insurance-backed bank mm-hmm. so yeah it's you're definitely correct in the sense of this the sentiment is growing at least it's definitely it's it's definitely a thick fart cloud in the
6: in terms of Kanye, speaking of far clouds, um, I don't know why I feel like I was almost sort of oddly blasé about some of the stuff he said today, because I had people who know me very well texting, and of course I saw it on Twitter, and I was kind of shrugging my shoulders because I sort of knew that's where he was going to land because that's where they always go, and say semites eventually. And his modus operandi any, anyway is to just say the thing that's going to get him the most outrage. You know, that's his, He likes to do that regardless. Um, but I do have a couple thoughts one is that even though I'm not necessarily going to get more upset about him than any other prominent anti-Semite, and there are many, um, you know, I, I really am tired of seeing people say, and some have even said directly, oh, you know, mental health, we we just, he needs our compassion. He just has the wrong people around him taking advantage of him. Um, I don't claim to be an expert on mental health. I have had to do a lot of research and engage with it. For professional purposes. And I can tell you that most of the research is pretty clear that the majority of crimes and hate crimes are committed by people who are perfectly sane. And he may have mental health issues, but that doesn't mean that that excuses what's going on now. I really don't. Um, and I'm tired of being told that I need to turn the cheek. Someone literally said that, turn the other cheek. I'm like, that's not from my side of the Bible. Um, it's, it's grotesque. It really is. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to buy into victimhood as currency, because that is not what we Jews like to do, even though objectively we are subject to the most hate crimes in this country. But part of the reason why um, we are, yes, much stronger, we don't control these industries, but we are overrepresented compared to our small numbers. Um, Besides, you know, we have, of course, close faith communities and families, and that builds you up. But also, historically, we've taken the things that happen to us and used it to make us stronger not to use it as like again a currency um but that doesn't change the fact about what happens and i don't always talk about it but i know i'm not the only one who worries every time you know my husband goes out the door wearing a a keeper and i have to worry is this going to be the day he gets attacked we live in a state where even though we own guns and you know you know how to use them in our homes concealed carry is not allowed um i shouldn't have to worry about that every time and you know if you want to talk about who i feel sorry for I'm going to feel more compassion for my young nieces and nephews who have to go to a school that has more security than Fort Knox constantly because there are people who wouldn't want to hurt them. And the fact is that when someone like Kanye speaks, you can't pretend like that isn't going to influence people who will uh, and do go out and attack people and translate that into physical action. And so I just wish some compassionate conservatives would be a little bit less compassionate with him because he doesn't deserve it. Even though I don't want him to get the airspace because that's what he's after with this. Um, I also wish people would just be a little bit honest about um, what the impact of someone like that is. Two other thoughts. Oh sorry, go ahead.
2: No. Yeah. And this is, this is, and and I've talked with people on Twitter, I DM with people who are Jewish and stuff like that. And they're genuinely like no one with this amount of notoriety or money power has like spoken like this ever like this is a first time that someone with this much media credibility someone who was a billionaire until a few weeks ago who was just outright just doing this and that's kind of their take on it i kind of just take the background and listen um my attitude Drop him out of a fucking helicopter into the Mariana Trench. I don't care. Like that's, <laughs> I'm just like just so we can get some sleep, you know. Just yeah. Like, hood him like a falcon and dump him into the ocean. That's it, you know. And uh, I didn't say drown him. Just put him in the ocean. He can swim. Um, he is a gay fish. So <laughs> that was um, a good
6: episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what I kind of said on the podcast today. I think you know when I was watching, I didn't want to get sucked into the Alex Jones thing, but I did because it's my fucking job whether I like it or not. So I'm just kind of like making glib dark jokes about, it because that's my attitude with him. Like that somebody with that much money who takes all of this shit so seriously, just cannot stand being ridiculed. He, they can't stand being made fun of. And so that's kind of how I looked at this. I made a joke about, you know, his outfit is what a snowman looks like when you get it from the Salvation Army, the clothes from the Salvation Army. And, so I kind of take a step back and listen, but yeah, I know people who are just fucking terrified over this shit. And as I said, and someone said, and I agree with, he could probably still like sell out an arena. If he just said, I'm, I'm going to sure. do a, If I'm going to just do a music tour, right? Like let's say he drops all of this stupid shit and he just goes and does an arena tour. it'd sell out. It, I mean, it, it would, it wouldn't do like Taylor Swift style numbers, but it would, it probably sell out. And a lot of the people out here condemning him, especially as it pertains to media and people who have access would be at those shows. And I mean, it does raise an interesting question about how do you, we always talk about separating the art from the artists. And uh, you know, I wrote about this at Heat Street with Casey Affleck. Uh, Would he win best actor for Manchester by the Sea given the sexual assault allegations against him? And I said, until something is proven in a court of law, yeah, you should watch this movie. It's an incredible performance and he should win the Oscar and he did. uh, this this is just – it's kind of like I've never been interested in Kanye anyway. I don't know – I've never gotten the appeal. People see he's a musical genius, and, he's a, and every time I've heard him, I'm like, I just hear fucking auto-tune. He's
6: auto-tuned. I'm just like, I'm just like
2: what are you talking, talking about? But maybe that's he's part working. of it. He's, he's auto-tuned so cool and so well that that's part of the act. I don't know. So, I mean, my question, like, listening to you is, what did you think of Dave Chappelle's monologue? Was that was – was he excusing anti-Semitism or was – you kind of just said how – how how power is concentrated in some of these places despite how outnumbered you are as a as a population and i thought that that was kind of what chappelle was getting at he was kind of just saying you know he he, he pulls out the the thing and says i apologize da, 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 and he says into my brother kanye that's how you buy yourself time uh so like I... what did you think of chappelle's monologue was it too much was he excusing it was he poking fun at him
6: so it's interesting you bring up, Chappelle, because that kind of dovetails into the other point I wanted to make, which people don't want to talk about. The media certainly doesn't want to talk about it mostly, although um, Elliot Kaufman, who writes sometimes for commentary, um, wrote a really good article about this. That's online in commentary uh, that I, I'm not going to say it's the majority because I can't say that, but um, Kanye West views are quite prevalent among large parts of the black community. Not the majority, I'm not positioned to say that, Um, but it's the truth, they are. And you only have to look at his responses to say that and to look at, there are quite a few celebrities who may not have gone as far as Kanye, but they've said some pretty anti-Semitic things. And so I feel like Kanye just said what maybe they were just smart enough not to say, but his views are not. That's why I don't buy the mental illness thing, because he's probably like, what the heck, everybody else said this. So Chappelle, who is... I think in my opinion, a genius. Um, he's not only an incredible entertainer, he's a really good thinker. And I, I said this at the time, I feel like he is way more dangerous than someone like Kanye. Um, That's interesting. And I'll tell you why.
2: And well, and another problem in all of this is thanks to, you know, the, the media obsession and business model of diverting everything toward equity. We can't talk about the attacks in Brooklyn. And we can't talk about anti-Semitic attacks and or anti-Asian attacks in San Francisco, and we can't talk about you know when Orthodox men's walking down the street and gets the shit beat out of him by five teenagers. We're not allowed to kind of notice. They all kind of have something in common.
7: <laughs> well, and other thing, this is that's why again
2: I'm... that's again that's going to be part of the struggle with how the media covers Kanye, because yeah, what what happens when you know. Kanye does a shit and an Orthodox man is attacked in Brooklyn again by, like I said, like there were four teenagers or he stabbed or whatever like this. Is the media going to cover this? Because this is the same reason why you're not allowed to talk about gun violence in Chicago. And so they've really backed themselves into a corner here. Um, I mean, Kanye West to me sounds like a black Israeli, which yells at you on the street in New York, which if you're not prepared for it, it's pretty fucking jarring. Okay. I, I've been
6: there. I've been there. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean,
2: they, they're, they're out there yelling, you know, Obama conspired with the Jews to do 9-11 shit, like that kind of shit. And if you're not ready for it, it's pretty jarring. But, you know,
6: I so I'm just like, gonna say I just, like you
2: walk by that guy and I'm like, OK, man, all right. But if you remember, um, the black Israeli people were the ones that instigated the whole Nicholas Sandman incident in D.C. And that aspect of the story just kind of went away. And they focused on the kid with the MAGA hat. Yeah. And that's what I mean is this is why if you, if you, if your business models around narrative building, which is Matt Taibbi has put pretty brilliant, brilliantly lately, then you have to ignore things that are inconvenient to your narrative. And that's kind of one of those things where, you know, we can't really talk about the crime in New York city because of, you know, the way the no cash bail and, uh, the equity policy or everything's going to be driven by equity. But then when you have Orthodox Jews being attacked, how are you guys going to, are you going to pin that on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago meeting? Because I don't know how many people are.
6: Yeah. I mean, and again, I just want to finish a thought about Chappelle because it ties into that. There are actually large parts of black nationalist theory, et cetera, that espouse antisemitism as part of its theory. So those ideas are not necessarily just Kanye being crazy. And the reason why the problem with Chappelle is he was very clever. He did something, I'm not the one who said this, but I saw it and like, this is the problem. He did this thing like two truths and a lie. He put stuff in right. there, which is objectively true that Jews are overrepresented compared to their small percentages of population in certain industries. So that part is true. Um, the part that isn't true was is this implication that somehow we were trying to silence, you know, Kyrie and Kanye, like that we're using that quote unquote power for some sort of negative means. And he was like the line that really got me was, you know, bringing up the Holocaust and with a black man isn't responsible for it. And no one's coming after you. It's Kanye and Kyrie who came after us. Like, we're happy for you to leave us the fuck alone. Like, go live your lives, do what you want, you know. So that's why Chappelle really pissed me off because he is, again, objectively very brilliant, but he was clever enough to be... What he was saying basically was, Kanye, kind of, you should have just kept your mouth shut. He didn't try to yeah. say... like The person who had the best response, in my opinion, as a celebrity was um Tyler Perry. I don't know if you saw what he had posted on Instagram. It was post- reposted on Twitter
2: no.
4: at the
6: time. It was really excellent. Um He talked about the fact that his mother when he was a little kid, his mother had worked at a Jewish community center as a preschool teacher. And he posted her her picture with all the little kids. The kids' faces were blurred out. But he said, you know, my mom was a teacher at JCC in Atlanta. She came home one day when I was a kid. I still remember her being just really shaken up because there had been a credible bomb threat. Um, And she just couldn't understand why anybody would want to threaten people just based on their religion when she had always been treated so well and welcomed as like a family member almost. In this place. And he actually brought up um, you know, Schwarner, Cheney, and Goodman, two of them, they were famous people who were killed in the civil rights march marches, um, and they were Jewish two of them more. So he was he he brought up the fact that Jewish people marched with us, um, which is true. My own grandfather met Dr. King um because he came here as an immigrant and couldn't understand how a country that you know, had so many great ideals, was falling so short of them when it came to racism. So so he brought up the fact that so many Jews were instrumental in the civil rights movement. And he was basically saying, what's happened, guys? <laughs> so I was really touched by that, because that is the response that you get. Not Dave Chappelle. Well, you know, kind of, like, he's that little voice. Like, like I said, just kind of saying the same thing, basically, that Kanye said, but in a much more, not the exact same thing, but in a much more clever way. This idea that somehow Jews doing well comes at the expense of black people, which is, it's fucking bullshit. I'm sorry for the language tonight, nope. but I guess this stuff gets me. Like, I have three out of four grandparents who are were Holocaust survivors. My 99-year-old grandmother, who was an Auschwitz survivor, is still alive. And let me just tell you that, if not that I want something like this to happen in reverse, if a Jewish person who had ever achieved the level of celebrity that Kanye had and he went on and said things like that, he would be afraid for his life. It wouldn't be like... debate on twitter there wouldn't be thousands of people saying well you know look how they're going after him that just proves he's right so i I don't believe i don't support trump i think it was dumb of him to meet kanye but i think it's bullshit that they're trying to make kanye a trump issue you know that that's garbage and that's media garbage and that it pisses me off because it means that you don't care at all that like there are Jews literally being attacked on the street and kanye was not a trump creation um but i just wish that they were honest enough to talk about the fact that he is not alone in a lot yes, of ways. Yeah. I stuff. mean,
2: and I wish that they would be honest enough to go, hey, maybe we shouldn't have given this guy all this publicity and a billion dollars through Adidas. Like, the, again, this isn't like something that just dropped out of the sky. Kanye's been like this for, you know, going back to Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. And it's kind of like, this is one of these instances like with Trump, like, hey, maybe it was a bad idea to give him $5 billion in free media, huh? Maybe it was a bad idea to let him host SNL. What do you think now, guys? And that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I'm going to be looking at digging into a lot of past articles about Kanye coming up and possibly to write about. But like I said, you have you have the NBC News tech reporter who's just a Taylor Lorenz clone uh, out here just trying to tie Kanye to the political right. And she wrote listicles at BuzzFeed about... Uh, Kanye West is all of us at some point, and I'm just like, <laughs> "Fuck, uh, Faye, do you wanna do you wanna know what I'm looking at right now?" Oh dear, what is that?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared.
0: I mean, to
2: ask. It's it's all performance. Uh, Kanye West tweeted five minutes ago ye 24 love everyone hashtag love speech and he tweeted an illustration of a swastika linking up with the star of david
6: sure why not you know yeah like
2: (laughs) it like it looks like something like a weird superhero would wear on his chest or, or not a superhero obviously but going along with what he said today about i love nazis and jews i love everyone and now he's He's done yeah. a like a vector of a swastika inside and linking with the star of Dave. And it kind of looks like the Batman Superman logo <laughs> mixed together. So it's just performance. That and sounds about right at this point. He, know. he knows he knows he's going to get eyeballs and, you know, it's part of the Simpsons thing of just don't look. But again, how do media outlets who created this guy and how do, you know, music outlets and studios and clothing companies not ignore him? So that's well,
6: I'll just say that's closing, the fresh that's
2: the fresh level of hell we're in right now, uh,
6: yeah, I'll just say in conclusion that I wish the media would cover him and the background that he's speaking against with a smidge of honesty, but I guess if they were capable of that, no uh, you wouldn't have your podcast
2: so that's not yep, that's not their goal their Their goal here is not to be honest about what this is, and like you said, it, and it's not even about to be honest, it's about when you start creating narratives like around. Yeah, the George Floyd murder. And when you start creating errors about we're going to base everything on equity. Well, we all know that that's racial equity. That's the whole policy. Okay, you don't have to hide it because we see it. And, you know, when every company starts hiring departments of uh, DEI uh, counselors and bringing Robin DiAngelo in for a forty thousand dollar talk and stuff like this. Well, again, now you have a problem with a certain part of the population and now you you've boxed yourself into the point of where you can't talk about it unless you frame it as it's against your political enemies. That's what Ben Collins from NBC did with the Club Q shooting. He had no facts, none whatsoever. He does What's no worst? investigative reporting. And then he, wa- he goes on national TV and goes, Tucker's fault. And it's like, wait, what? And that's all they know how to frame things. And once you get to that point, you realize how hopeless they actually are. So uh faith i appreciate it i know it's i know it's a hard subject and i know as much as we're kind of making fun of all of this and stuff like this today that i know that there's a portion where this does hit home so i appreciate you sharing that
6: thanks Stephen. have a nice evening
2: all right little red who i little red's like finished these like three or four of these off it's just kind of how we go uh i did see someone join back there i just i, I was going to end this here we're going uh, so I apologize if I dropped you back there. Just join next episode, which might be tomorrow, because we're in a target-rich environment now. But Little Red, uh, you're last to bring us home. Any thoughts on uh, the the New York Times Summit or the uh, George Stephanopoulos interview with FTX and SB
7: No, I have no thoughts about that. I, Great. Faith actually kind of stole my... <laughs> I mean, that dude needs to go to jail. He's a bad guy. Um, the cute puppy dog nonsense he's a bad dude. Uh, Faith actually kind of stole my thunder because I was calling in about anti-Semitism and how terrible it is and how my best friend is Jewish and we've been watching Democrats kiss the ring of Louis Farrakhan and (sighs) what's his face? Who started the riot in Harlem.
2: Oh, Al Sharpton? Yes.
7: For years. The the Brooklyn Heights
2: riots, yep.
7: Yeah, yeah. And suddenly they're all upset about Kanye West being an anti-Semite. It's like it's terrible. And it's, I always thought on the right, like, hey, we're we're not into racism. We're not into anti-Semitism. And now it's Kind of being a thing now, on the right, and I—it's just really upsetting. Like, I don't want to worry about my friend getting beat up because she's Jewish, and it really disgusts me that all these people that are all mad about Kanye West are all the same people who are like, "Oh, let's go talk to." Do you remember?
2: Do you remember Ian Omar? APAC and all about oh. Benjamins and remember how yeah. that was a that was a condemnation and then because it was treated as racist because of who she was, it went from condemning anti-Semitism to condemning all hate. They literally all lives mattered, her anti-Semitic tweets about APAC. Yeah. And that that to me was like a big kind of mask-off moment. I was like, one, you don't care about Black Lives Matter if you're willing to just go like all hate matters. And two, you clearly don't care about anti-Semitism coming from your own ranks in Congress um, because, like, you caved instantly. The second there was mm-hmm. pushback from her, her like, Rashida Tlaib and people of the squad and then their allies in media saying, this wasn't, the, what are you talking about? This isn't anti-Semitism. They're, they're just against Zionists, you know. Um, and Nancy Pelosi and her caucus caved because of the media pressure and There we are. We we ended up on a resolution stating all hate matters, which is a good statement. But this is one of those where it was like, no, this was a specific incident here. But that's to me, not to say it's funny, but that was to me the most obnoxious part of it is you're not allowed to say all lives matter. But that's exactly what they did with Ian Omar's tweets about all the, ben, you know, APAC being all about the Benjamins and, you know, connect the dots and all of this stuff. They just went, no, 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 all hate matters. And it was like, oh, Jesus, this is so tedious. And it's a game, and it's a game they know that they're playing, and it's a game that they know they have the majority of the media on the side where they can play it, which is why you're seeing all of this now while, you know, the squad members are just kind of over here, you know, cut both hands over their mouths, trying not to shout something, and so <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there is plenty of hypocrisy to go around in this situation. And again, the the way to avoid it is to just not get involved with things like celebrity politics, either on the political right or the political left. That's, uh, I mean, it's not hard to do. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people thought just like Kanye, when he went into the Oval Office with the with the MAGA hat, he was somehow like the avatar of conservative blackness all of a sudden. And I'm kind of like, nah, make mine Tim Scott. Uh, yeah,
7: yeah. There's plenty of black conservatives out there.
2: Uh, Thomas Sowell. Uh, yeah, who's, who's driven a ton, almost it, as much hate as, like, you know, from the media as just about anyone else. Or, you know, Clarence yeah. Thomas is another good one who, you know, they're just trying to get rid of him because of his wife or something. And so, yeah, trust me, you, you don't need you don't need to follow the circus. You don't need to do that. You're not going to find the next Elvis. You can just turn off and not follow.
7: So I was listening to the commentary podcast and I'm a big follower of them. And um, Podoris was like, I am really worried. Because I am seeing all of this anti-Semitism being mainstreamed. In a variety of different ways. Both on the right and on the left. And he's like, I'm worried about my kids. And what, what world they're going to face. And that really struck me. And I find it so deeply upsetting. And then you have somebody like Candace Owens. And I'm like, girl, how hard is it to say, yeah, Kanye's bad. This is a a bad thing. And she works for Benjamin.
2: Yeah, that's who I love. That's (laughs) that's one of those kind of dynamics I just kind of sit back and watch. Um, And you know, they're kind of they, you know, their first response about her, and I don't know what you do about. I don't. I mean, if you fire her, you make you know, Kanye's point form, him. And that's kind of what faith was talking about. And this is how, this is how antisemitism mm-hmm. works. If Kanye comes out and he says, the Jews control everything. And then Adidas drops him. He goes, see, um, and that's how dangerous it is. And so I, I don't know. <laughs> Ben's kind of, kind of have a problem on his hands here. And I joked, like, I think I, you know, I know Ben Dominic has been kind of on Shapiro over this whole thing. And, uh, I joked today on Twitter, like how, how is Candace going to get out of this? And it's probably going to be, we don't even know if that was Kanye under the mask. Um, You know, we didn't actually (laughs) see Kanye West say those words. We just saw the mask, which I actually think was the purpose of him doing that. And I know, I know these fucking, you know, ninja mask things are kind of his shtick, the Cobra commander thing. But I think by putting that on, and he's not actually saying it he's disconnecting himself enough from the audience to think that he can get away with it so he's not making eye contact at a camera and saying this stuff he's saying it from behind the veil of a black mask so it's just kind of like a voice coming out it's he so in a sense to me it, it's it's almost cowardice because i think that it was pre-planned. like i'm you know we're going to have this conversation about how much i like hitler and we have to stop canceling nazis or whatever but he's doing it from behind a veiled mask and i think that that's also pretty telling about how big of a coward he is um i'm not not going to hand it to someone like fuentes but those guys at least just are out in the open with what they believe and again uh you you can see them clearly saying the stuff so you have a reference in your head and here you have kanye to me hiding while saying it and it's a it's an incredible act of cowardice not to mention just flat out believing the shit and saying it but i also think that the bigger problem is you're right there's there are real world consequences for stuff like this and i think he's using it as performance that's what i believe he's doing he's using it as a new avant-garde style of performance and uh we're, we're probably gonna get a stadium show out of this and maybe an album hmm. or a, a rap album about you know the black israelites and what they believe and, and stuff and that's to me is what it's all about and yes people will buy it and
7: it's so gross it's just disgusting and the thing is is i have very mixed feelings about candace owens because she's calling out kim kardashian with her association with that fashion brand that had all the weird
2: porn shit yeah i
7: guess
2: it's weird
7: it's weird because I, I i'm with her with that but it's also Kanye's, that's, I, it's just so fucked up. The whole
2: situation is fucked up. Well, here's, here's a new question and here's a problem. Would you kick him off Twitter? Would I? Um. Remind you, his account was suspended and Elon Musk reinstated it. And now he's like tweeting <laughs> star of David Swastika's things. Uh, <laughs> he's really, he's, he's really putting Elon Musk's, uh, Stated uh, Magna Carta to attest here. So, would you boot him from Twitter?
7: Well, is the Ayatollah or, still or on Twitter, do
2: you, or do you think that he should be kicked out? Like, if, do you think Elon Musk should reban him? It,
7: like I said, is the Ayatollah the, the Ayatollah still on Twitter? Yes, and I'm still Twitter... and I'm still
2: blocked by him. <sighs>
7: I mean, if you're going to have somebody like that on, I can't say you should kick him off. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, like um, my you thing have is all those I, I people. They're I've just seen, all floating around on Twitter. Like,
2: I've seen maybe having, five. I've seen maybe five Kanye West tweets in my entire. 10 years of being on the site it's it's real easy to just not follow this shit (laughs) it's incredibly easy and that comes from someone who's in media it's my job to follow shit but like i saw this one with the graphic because it was put into my timeline and then i'm like why are the fuck you putting that in my timeline (laughs) like you don't have to do that but (laughs) again it's he knows how to get eyeballs and that's and the media just cannot resist when you chum the waters with this shit and so, I mean, that, that ultimately is the best thing to happen. Just stop tweeting about him, stop talking about him, stop doing whatever, which is why I didn't really do it on the podcast today. And I, I kind of figured this might delve into that. Um, and, and the more that you ignore him, the more outlandish he's going to get and whatever. But it's kind of like it's really the only way to do it. It's, it's also the, the Trump policy. And yeah. I don't know. One so, I mean, hundred I think it was Samuel noted, like, just how Trump's not even part of the conversation right now in anything. Um, other than, you know, this dinner thing, which is going to now, this will get pulled through the weekend and whatever. But like, even, even that dropped off the radar. Now it's like the whole conversation is about what Elon Musk is doing on Twitter and what Kanye, Kanye West is tweeting out fucking graphic design now or something. And so it's really interesting even how muted he is out of the conversation. And that's generally, they learn the rules just kind of like, you don't always have to post everything from true social.
7: That is the most hilarious thing about the whole thing. They're like, "Yay, we banned him!" Oh, let's go look at truth and post yeah. everything that he, Yeah. He put out.
2: <laughs> or, I mean, the new thing with that is is Mastodon is just posting screenshots of tweets. That's pretty much all Journal That's Host is so on Mastodon. Stupid. So, it's so stupid. I'll give you I'll, anyway, give me the last, I'll, I'll give you the last quick word to, to wrap us up, Lored.
7: Anyway, I just want to say, anti-Semitism
2: is bad, y'all. Don't
7: hate Jews.
2: <laughs> it's not hard. It's not a hard thing to say. Have a good night, yeah. Stephen. Thanks, Little Red. Uh, again, sorry to those couple of people I dropped back there. Uh, we're just kind of we're hitting two hour mark here, which sometimes happens. the The circus around it, and I'm sure it's one we're probably going to continue probably tomorrow night. If uh, I may host a ded- just a, our dedicated room, and God knows what we're going to fucking wake up to tomorrow. So uh, this has been episode 69, SBF plus FTX equals negative New York Times fun, uh, which I kind of figured would delve into other topics, but that's just how it goes. That's what conversation apps do. Uh, thanks again to my callers, uh, especially thanks to Little Red and Faye there at the end, uh, who could share some of that experience firsthand. Um, thanks again to my listeners uh, and joining me here kind of late on a weeknight. Uh, I'll be back at Versus Media tomorrow. Uh <laughs> I don't want to talk about this, but I might have to. Um, and then most likely back here tomorrow night as well. And uh, to get some some of you other people in there with some thoughts and some stuff. So again, thanks to my callers. Thanks to my audience. Uh, you keep the show kind of uh, up towards the top of this app and uh, people interested. And you keep me wanting to keep on doing it, even on uh, depressing-ass subjects like this. But that's just how it goes. Uh, thanks again. I'll see you tomorrow and most likely back here tomorrow.